Welcome back to Gamble's Green Room. I'm your host, Mike Gamble, bringing you the people you need to know with the stories you want to hear. Today, I am joined by my sis in Sweden. She is Ghanaian, but lives in Sweden. She is a music artist, an actress, a writer. Um, she, in 2019, she was awarded the Swedish Afrobeats uh, Best Female Artist and Best Live Performance Award. She made her acting debut, the act, her acting debut the same year in a production called Wowza Albert with the National Black Theater of Sweden. She then went on to choreograph another show at the Royal Dramatic Theater in Stockholm, which is one of the, if not the biggest stage in Sweden. And she's my sis. We're going to talk about all that and more. Okay. Please give it up for Miss Aurelia Day in the house. In the building. I'm good. Thank you, brother. Mike Gamble. Wow, that was a good ass. That was a good introduction. Thank, thank you. you so much for that. No, well, thank you for being here is what I was going to say. So, you know. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. So, I like to start from the beginning. It's not an interview. Oh, yeah. It's just a conversation. So, I just want people yeah. to find out who you are because your story is so interesting. All of my people's stories are interesting. And I just try and highlight those stories. So, let's talk about the beginnings. You're Ooh. from Gothenburg, Sweden. Yeah, born and raised in Mundal. Mm-hmm. Right outside Gothenburg. Um, born 88, get it straight. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I said that on some song and it just came to me. <laughs> not born 88, get it straight, not a rapper. I'm a sing J. Oi, oi. Okay. Anyway, yeah, right um, both, of, both of my parents from Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, yeah. Do you want to like know the, the story? Yeah. How did, how, did, like... how did mom and dad get to Sweden from Ghana? Ooh. Yeah. My mom and dad came in the early like 70s. I think my dad was supposed to um, study here at the Gothenburg University. I think he started at Uppsala University. Mm-hmm. And then my mom came a few years after. And um, yeah, they came here to work and, you know, like you say, like, um, I'm about to pull up uh, a strong ass Google Translate because I know my English is rusty <laughs> as. Let's see here. <laughs> what, were, what, what were you trying to say? Klasvandra. 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 Klaswalk. No, but like when you've done a. A like a a, a class I don't know like upgrade your class like uh, you know you have middle class lower class high ah, class and yeah like, oh okay so yeah to, uh, to literally upgrade your social class yeah yeah okay. so they came into work um, and uh, then like a couple of years after fifteen years after they had me okay and here we yeah. are. Where in, Ghana, where in Ghana are they from? They are from... Uh, my mom is from Kita, and mm-hmm. my dad is from Ada, so Volta region. Yeah, Volta um, region in the house. Yeah. So my mom speaks Ewe, and my dad speaks Ada, and um, I don't speak any of it. Okay. 
Have you been to Ghana? Uh, many times. I I mean, I started when I was 11. That was the first time when I met my sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a couple of years, I think, until I was like 20. And that was a big-ass clash for me. And then a couple of years, and then I was 25 the third time. And that's when I felt like, ooh. I need to be here. And then mm. I started going like, I think I went like three, four times a year for like five years. Mm-hmm. I think when I was 30, that year I was there like five times. Hey, KLM has taken my money. <laughs> um, and then, and then the pandemic came and everything, but I, I go like once a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last time I was there was uh, March this year. You said around 25 is when you felt like this is where I needed to be. Sort of like you felt more at home, I is what I'm inter- uh, interpreting from that. It was like a void. I was it was a big ass void inside of me like I felt I needed to fill it. And the void was uh <laughs> because of a lot of things, but also because my mom didn't see- speak the language with me. Uh, when I was little, I felt like when I came there, I, it was like, oh, all of you are me. You're part of me. This is my culture, but I don't feel it. I don't know it. I want to know it. I want to breathe it. I want to speak the language. Mm-hmm. I want to know the music. I want to dive into it. It was also like a musical e- exploring uh, because I really wanted to do like more Afrobeats. Since I started as a dancehall artist, um, strictly on Patois and everything, and we can talk about that too. But by, by that time, I was like, no, I'm from Ghana and Ghana is blooming. Mm-hmm. I need to speak like them. Oh, I want to know this thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was filling the void of like of, of an identity, um, my identity and my heritage. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's where I was going to go with that uh, statement about uh, what did I say? The uh, damn whatever I said. <laughs> what I said. But uh, but going. So I w- I was going to ask if it because growing up in Sweden was there a cultural identity mismatch in between of growing up Swedish but then being Ghanaian, but then you just said mom didn't speak the language with you. So there was a void that you didn't feel like that's what I was going to say. So when you were younger, you were going as part of a family thing, but when you got to your mid twenties, you started identifying with the culture. You could see more of it because you started experiencing it more than from a child perspective or from a child's uh, experiences that you wanted more of this. You needed more of this. This was something that wasn't with you. Why wasn't it mm. with you? How can you get more into mm. it? This is mm. me. You said as well, you know, mm. you all are me, but I'm not, I don't speak the language. Mm. I'm not with you. How mm. do I feel? I'm not feeling it. That, yeah. Mm. I, I'm not feeling it. And I want to feel it. And I, I, it was so, it's so strong. Like when my sisters, we have the same mom and dad. Mm-hmm. That first time when I was 11, maybe I was 14, by the way. I think it was 14 the first time I was in Ghana. And they're like, you know, showing me so much love. And like, 
you know, even before I met them, always talking to them on the phone. I love you. I love you. God bless you. I love you. Excuse me. I've never <laughs> met you. Um, I mean, it was so weird to me, like, um, feeling a genuine connection and bond with my sisters that I've never met. Mm. And them saying that they love me, that big ass word. And I'm like 13 years old and I'm not getting nothing. I'm not understanding nothing. I'm so confused. And then when I'm seeing them, I'm like, I mean, I love them, but I don't love them because I don't know them. Mm. And I wanted to know them to really feel like, okay, because I saw it, you know, I saw it and I felt it in my spirit and my soul, but it wasn't of uh, knowledge or mm -hmm. something. I don't know. Yeah. May I ask what so the special. age difference is between your sisters? Oh, they between you and your sisters. I'm kidding. Be between you uh, and your they are 15 years older than mm. me. The twins are, well, one of them passed this year, last year. Um, Sorry to yeah, hear 15 that. years older. Thank you. Uh, and I think Doyo is like 12 years older than me. Yeah, so between 12 and 15. So it was a generational gap, too, yeah. kind of like, um, or age gap, but yeah. Well, that's uh, that, at, at that age gap, it's almost a generational gap because there's a whole decade and a half of experiences yep. to that comes with that. Um, a cultural gap. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't even. Ah, still to this day, I'm struggling. What's yeah. the struggle? I mean, th they think totally different. Mm. I mean, it's a whole nother world out uh, there. And I am so Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late for my ass. I done tried. I done tried. I done tried. I, I tried to live there. I tried to date them. I tried everything. But, but, um, uh, but also that, like I have, there's so much I have with me that's Ghanaian too. It's so du um, mm. dual uh, and strong. Like I, I feel that very much when I'm here in Sweden, like there's just some things that are just there. It just comes with my heritage. It just comes with the way my mom brought, brought me up. And, um, that's also a clash here, but over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Sweden, mm -hmm. we are special. We yeah, think a certain there. way. There's a, uh, a certain social uh, way of, <laughs> yeah, construct, way of acting, way of thinking. Um, so, yeah, it's a constant, not battle, but like a process of like having relationships with your family. Mm -hmm. That's in Ghana. Uh, and there's a, it's not really a thing, but it is a thing. <laughs> where it's like a lot of uh african continent people are like oh americans don't know anything about like being african or being or like being connected or where they're from or stuff is that sort of similar for you from growing up in sweden to going there that it did you did you experience or feel that it was your family in ghana was like I love you, but who are you? What is this Swedish? Why are you coming from with this culture? How do you not know this? But you said also said mom raised you yeah. pretty much Ghanaian in Sweden, though. So yeah, both. She confused too. I mean, <laughs> imagine her ass coming here when she's like 
25. Mm-hmm. And um, she's been living here since then. And that's a that's a big thing to like come here so young and live here so many years, more than you've lived in your own country. So her, she was on the one side trying to like become Swedish because mm. of not because of the pressure of being the only black person. She was like the only black person in Mundal during the 70s. She's a OG. Um and you know, exotification and racism and all that. Mm-hmm. So like she really tried hard to like raise me Swedish too. Because she was in the process of like, I need to become one of them so I can so I can feel good about my life. Mm-hmm. Um but also yeah uh some things just come with it. She she is Ghanaian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, so go back to what you said about, you said um, compared to like Americans, how they have this view of not knowing uh, African. Um, well, not, not really, not really, not really comparing, but it's that, it's that feeling that mm-hmm. uh, African, African continent. Midland for Scott. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah. That it's the, when when Americans yeah. go to the continent, they're excited to go, but sometimes you encounter people that are like, you're you're an American, you don't know anything about where you're from, how yeah. do you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but you know our yeah. history, you know the history, right? We, we really were removed from it, so. But then, it's funny, doing, uh, we're going to talk about in a bit, doing the piece, the Nometlika Wagon, just realizing mm. that how much of international Black culture-isms is the same whether you're caribbean whether you're in the u.s whether you're in canada whether you're in the on the on the homeland whether you're in sweden that the sucking your teeth the mm, like the isms Mm. we all have experienced it the same coming from the homeland but you think it's so specific to how your culture grew up (laughs) oh you done said a lot right there But I mean, when I'm in Ghana, I definitely experience, oh, you're Swedish. They call me Oberni, which is like white person <laughs> that they really call like mixed people. Mm-hmm. But they call me that too. I mean, they call anybody that's not Ghanaian that. Yeah. So it's always like directly, you are not a part of us. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, they're so friendly and like so welcoming. I mean, Ghana, we're known for being a very welcome, uh, friendly Christian type of people, you know, but, but, but they do it with, uh, they kind of make fun of us, but like with love, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but you, but you directly feel like, Oh, okay. <laughs> You're, I'm not a part of you. Okay. That's great. Uh, even if I try, you're going to laugh at me, but you're going to say, well done. All right. Mm. <laughs> Which is it, <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah. Interesting. So then what was your, what was your experience like growing up in Mundal in Gothenburg as a child? Being, being Ghanaian, but raised Swedish in your identity. Did you, did you know, let me, let me back that up. Did you know? 
that, quote unquote, you weren't Swedish or that you were different Swedish or for you, you know what I mean? Like for you growing up as a child, you were pretty much children just know I'm a child and that's it until some adult is like, oh, you know, you're different, right? Did, what was what was that experience? for You, you know where I'm going with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this therapy. Um, <laughs> you're not the first guest I'm to thinking. say that. <laughs> Come on now. I love it. Um, I have been thinking about that in a way because I'm writing a script about that. And mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm writing, I, I, I realized I'm writing a script about it because I haven't thought about it a lot. So I'm like still in the process and investigating how really was, how was my childhood? Mm. Uh, my first initiative answer when you asked me was, um, it was confusing as hell. Mm -hmm. Um, how it was growing up being a man, but raised in a Swedish way or vice versa. I don't know. It was confusing. I don't think it was confusing as in like, oh, I didn't know I wasn't, but I was different because mm -hmm. I knew everybody around me let me knew let me know that i was not them like them mm -hmm. um I, you know i was bullied not all the time but at a, a short period of time i was bullied um and people called me you know the n-word and all of that um but at that time it was like cool to say that and it was uh, people didn't know that it was wrong, kind of. So I didn't know at that time that I was being traumatized mm -hmm. um, or triggered, or yeah. And but it it did something to me, and so I had to like being the o I was the only black person in kindergarten, in what's it called? Log Sadiet, Melan Sadiet, Elementary school, secondary school, high school, gymnastics post. Yeah. yeah. So just being exposed to a hyper uh, visibility is at the same time being invisible, uh, minority stress building up, um, but not knowing. So I had to mm. like uh, realize that so many years after. But what I did then was create this shield around me, this hard ass shield, so, uh, brick wall, so that mm -hmm. people couldn't bully me. So I had like, yeah, I just started faking it till I made it, you know, like having this tomboy identity and like, taking a lot of space and not giving a peep and um, a, a very strong persona just putting on that suit. Mm, yeah, I had to. Um, yeah, I, I, I read about someone who like didn't know that they were black until that person said it to her mm -hmm. and i was like "Ooh, was it like that for me mm. but um and that when she found out she was so like her whole life came came down and it was just so like she was growing up 
uh, many years thinking like, I'm just like everybody else. Not thinking about that she was black, like that's a thing, mm-hmm. you know, like an alien, alien ship. Is, um, is this, this someone you know or just an article you read or where was this in Sweden or? It was an interview, I think. Um, yeah, it was in Sweden. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but when I think about, I'm still trying to like process, was that maybe it was like that with me? Maybe at some point I realized and something happened, but I think it was pretty clear <laughs> from the start, you know, that, oh, I am not like y'all. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do this. Yeah. Cause hey. people kept telling me, keep people kept letting me know. Mm. See, that's the thing that a lot of people who don't live a minority experience don't realize is that the quote unquote hardness that you experience in daily interaction is a coping mechanism to protect yourself. As you said, you had to build a wall against this as a child, whether you knew it consciously or not to hold on to who you were from the external experiences and names and shit that was happening to you so that you could have a well-being. And then if the trauma part of it comes later in adult life where it's hard to break that wall, to to let down that quote-unquote guard, (laughs) it's because of years of trauma that something someone said at a certain point or repeatedly said to you that, Hey, you know what? This is not what I want in my life. I have to build this up. And then the more you, exp- then living in an, then living in an environment, living in a society where people look like all of those people more, excuse me, living in a society where most people look more like those people that gave that experience to you. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> Please, I beg, who do I send the therapy bill to? Because I've been wondering. <laughs> because <laughs> mm, i i want to pay it <laughs> yeah <laughs> listen uh, yeah and then it's like but why are you like this why are you like but i am and i can't explain it to you until yes, i talk to someone who understands without having to ask the questions it's again when we were when we did uh did a met like a wagon it was mm. we were all different walks of life but we all knew when we were in that room we understood each other in a like in a mm. certain way Refuge. Um, yeah. 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 I, um, hmm. So I had to really, um, find out that Mm -hmm. I had a wall in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. I didn't find, I didn't know I had one using me. Right. So I got in a, in different small situations, big and small situations where I'm like, Oh, I am a certain way now. Um, apparently, and it's getting me into trouble sometimes. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's my, it's my strength getting me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's getting me into opportunities, uh, etc. But I don't like that it's defining who I am. I don't like that it gets me into trouble. I want to control it. Mm -hmm. And I want to analyze it and understand it. So somewhere there started my my self journey. You know, Mm -hmm. you said part of that is... Part of that is 
realizing that it's been an unconscious decision for you to be that way. It's yeah. not that you consciously decided to be quote unquote no. hard bodied or, no. uh, as some people might say, aggressive or, mm. you know, and, and it's really interesting when it comes to black women internationally mm. that mm. you are seen as, oh, but you're so strong. You're such a strong black woman. You have to do this. But then you're not allowed to be vulnerable either because then like, oh, but why are you so emotional? Like it's, again, mm. it's that unconscious realization of what struck, like what box you've literally be, been beaten down into that. Mm. Beaten down into a box. Yeah, like literally hammered into that shit, like chiseled mm. into that. Just be strong and just, just, I hate that word. Just be yeah, strong and, 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 you know, take a lot of space and do this, but don't be vulnerable because that's not really suitable for you. Yeah. yeah. That and that's, you. we will feel safer yeah. if you just be you. You just, but, you just do what it does. But then at the same time, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling very safe in how emotion, like how strong voiced you are right now. It, if you could just take the tone down a little bit, it would just change. It's like, so, so speaking of that, now that we're in our teenage years that, that are thereabouts, I did forget to mention in your uh, introduction that you were a dancer as well on top of sure. music, on top of the music and doing dance hall. How did music and dance come into your life? Was that maybe your escape from everything without trying to put thoughts or anything into your head? But how did, when do we get into the dance and the music? Oh, but you're head on points. Correct. That was my escape. It was my, <laughs> safe space it was my my method of coping mm -hmm. uh yeah i thank god for the talents he put in me and and um i i got to a, a safe house that i could explore and just be free and creative um so yeah i started with um i mean my mom put me in you know baby ballet when i was like three mm -hmm. so i've always had like music and dance in my life and when i was like five six i, I kept i loved it you know so i just kept going and that was always like you know the classic like when uh um equivalent some tv show mm -hmm. about singing uh was on i was always you know doing a show for my for my family and my friends and then when uh elementary school me and my my friends monsef uh etc i was doing the spice girls uh thing and you know choreographing <laughs> and it was just dance and music all the time mm -hmm. um then i started a dance group when i was like 13 called bussa crew that kind of became a thing in gothenburg um, because we were like doing hip hop street and like dance hall was an established name yet, but Raga and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we were doing it and we were good and we weren't trained or anything. We were just having fun, but we were, we had power and 
and sauce. We had a lot of sauce. So, <laughs> so we, you know, won a couple of competitions, got to um, perform on TV, got to perform in Stockholm, which was a big thing on a Stockholm festival, you know, being 13, 14 years oh, old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's like the, the that's that gave us all, I think, um, to this day, the ammunition we needed to like go for being a culture worker. Um, I started high school at the um, International High School of uh, Gothenburg, IHGR, mm-hmm. the first year. And then I was like, no, I need to study dance. So I changed my second year to Angered Simnoset and studied dance there for two years and graduated and then moved directly to Los Angeles when I was 18 with my bestie from this dance group. Lu, shout out to Lu, Westholm, and and we. Um, when were you in Los Angeles? Santa Monica College. I went um, 2006. I graduated 2006. I was there for three years. You know, mm. we might have crossed paths. I think we. I think we uh, mentioned this one time that we might have crossed paths because you were there also at the, that time. Yeah, I, I live in Los Angeles. I moved to Los Angeles 2003, and a lot of my friends were teaching at Santa Monica College, and I was there often. <laughs> but didn't we speak about Ron Brown? Yes. I think so, because he... Oh, I mean, I would say after moving to Los Angeles, he was my second meeting with, like, okay, dance, you and I, we are buddies. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're gonna do this. We're doing this. Like, I love you. You love me. I can feel it. Like he really introduced, he just, he would always like take me to the, to the, to the center and be like, okay, on the groups, he would choose me and stuff. And I never was chosen in Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being at Angerisinasa in the ballet class and the ballet teacher was like, he like didn't like, he did not like me because I was so overweight. Um, and then coming to Los Angeles and Ron is like, yeah, girl, he, he called me Madonna or something. I don't know, but he was just, <laughs> ah, he fueled me. As you said, Ron. you said a magic word earlier and you whispered it. So I'm not sure if people heard it. Refuge. That being in that space with Ron gave you opportunity and agency to bloom blossom explore perform be you full out yeah yeah ron brown and refuge (laughs) Uh, dancing being the refuge 100 percent um i would probably be a total different person if i didn't have dance um it kept me on the right lane on the right path with god's uh overseeing of course um yeah just it was therapy yeah what was the it's uh, very important to be creative you know if you're a creative person i think it's important for everybody to feel like they can be creative and and have something of their own that gives meaning and that you can express it, like finding your voice and expressing it. Um, 
music is the same, uh, but dancing was just so much easier. Mm-hmm. Doing it with your body, getting it out, and taking it in. Mm-hmm. The music. Mm. That's oh, interesting. Because you just said that dance was easier, but yeah. as of lately. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Uh-huh. You've gone way more into the music than continuing with the dance. Did it become okay? And now I'm imparting mm-hmm. my own interpretation of it. But could it be because mm-hmm. your body felt so released that now you could use your voice and express yourself through everything else? Mm-hmm. I think I've always been a person that gets bored easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I love routines, so it's so confusing. Welcome but, to being a Pisces. <laughs> but I'm actually Aries. Oh, you're but you're on Aries, the cusp. But I'm you're on the cusp. Remember, of course, course you little nerdy <laughs> astrologer. Um, <laughs> don't ask me what you are. I don't know. I know that Jesus <laughs> is alive and God is good. um no i'm not kidding but anyway um i lost it sorry what was i talking about uh changing uh being expressive with your voice now with doing the music oh yeah i've always been bored easily Mm. so uh, going from dance to uh music is just like okay that's it actually happened on the verge of when i was moving back to sweden i felt like okay new beginning new me new year when when like what should i do okay my ex says some someday some time ago that I, he liked the way i sing that i should be a singer all right mm. let's do that <laughs> you know let's try that oh. um mm. more like that um and also music was all it was always in the back like when I was growing up too, I think I even started a, a music group when I was little too, you know, when I was li- really little. Uh, so I was light singing, but then dancing took over because it was mm-hmm. easier to me. I wasn't as good so at singing as dancing. So it was also easier in that sense. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm good at this. It's giving me fuel. Um, so I kept on going with that. And yeah, when I moved back from... Los Angeles, I stopped. I was going to say stop dancing, but I didn't do that. But in my, in my, how can I say it? In my soul, kind of stopped dancing. I, mm. I wasn't pursuing it like to become, because also LA, wow. I'm sorry, but I was not prepared for that hard competition, that hard climate uh, that dancing has. Yo, dancing I- for me was fun and joy. And that just killed it. I was like, oh, if I'm competing with all y'all, if I'm competing, one, with all of y'all, two, that are dope, that dope, I'm not doing it. I'm okay. See, this is the thing that Swedish dancers fail to realize, especially when I move to Sweden, like, oh, I want to go to New York. I want to go to LA. I'm like, just so you know. The environment is completely it's different. A battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, you're about to get eaten up. Was, Are so you prepared? 
And I try and say that in the nicest way possible, that I will never tell you to not go, but you're about to have an awakening of what dance is actually like. (laughs) I wish somebody would have told me harder, even harder than that, because it's real out there. Yes. In Sweden, it is very mild. It's melamjölk. It is. Yeah. Melon milk, for those that don't know, is sort of like skim milk in English. <laughs> it's skim very light fat. Very lightest milk. form there is. Yeah. But it's, and, and I always yeah. make this commentary when I talk to professionals or teachers or like these university programs and stuff of why is, why is, what's up with Sweden? I'm like, because there's no competition drive. Everybody. Suffering suffering oh that is i need to start using that that's the thing there is no hardship that you have to really endure here because everything is served served. you're comfortable there's a safety net for everything you don't have to worry that's why we're so depressed out here what's that that's why we're so depressed out here yeah because you're looking for something to strive for or against Mm. but as much Mm. as you want to go against it you're told if you do things too differently you're trying to be better than everybody you're trying to be (laughs) it's like especially as an artist i'm like yo no one wants to go see a show that's good enough like people want to go see a show and be entertained they don't want to go oh that was nice give me my damn money back if it was nice like i'm Mm. not happy if i see a nice show I want to be entertained. I Mm. want dancing. I want singing. I want acting. And don't get me wrong. You don't have to be Gladys Knight or Patti LaBelle or anything like that. But Mm. you need to emote something for me to really be captivated in your performance and give you the accolades that you want me to give you. I'm sorry, y'all. If I was born and raised in America, I would be singing my stuff out of Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah. I would be such a good singer. Yeah. Because you have to push I mean, yourself. You have to level up. It's not like black and white like that. But like, no, no, no. like there is this something else. This is another history. There's just another climate and, uh, and, and uh, another type of hardship in other parts of the world, not just America, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Africa, etc. where, you know, that hardship and suffering gets translated and gets used and it comes out it comes out yeah so while you were in los angeles and you're experiencing this awakening of competition what were you were you auditioning were you just taking classes was I went to a couple of auditions. Uh, I, I was lucky to ha- go to uh, classes where I always felt like a little competition, but I always felt like I was also a part of the competition. Like I was mm-hmm. good. I was pushing others. Like, yeah. And I got a lot of uh, affirmation in the classes. So mm-hmm. I guess it was, a, I think it was a um, audition now. And I really think about it. That I don't quite remember. I just remember the feeling, like going home after that. I was like, ugh, just having a ugh, feeling in my body, and like, mm, no, 
I don't want to, I don't want to like become one of those that just do anything to get to the top. Mm-hmm. Mm, climb over dead bodies that they say. Yeah. Um, Hurting people, you know, along the way, just for you to get mm, on top. Yeah. I just saw a lot of falseness, I think, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. Uh, I felt toxic to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt, I really, I literally felt it like physically in my body. Like I, mm, yeah. 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 You, you, so yeah, then I moved back to, to, to Sweden and, um, I felt like, okay, let me try something new and see where that goes. Um, so are you that telling another, me? That mm-hmm. when you when we met at Dance Forum, yeah, you I had just, just moved back from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I had just moved from Los Angeles. <laughs> that is crazy. But we, but were were you at Santa Monica at all? Teaching? No, Taking I didn't classes? teach there, but I was there as a guest a lot, just like with my we, friends. We must have crossed paths. That is bananas. <laughs> That is, that is crazy. But then also, <laughs> I was, the, which, which is really funny because on the schedule at Dance Fordham, I was teaching uh, a West African class and she was teaching dance hall and we they had a side by side. And I was like, you couldn't put us at different times like to, because that's crazy. I wanted to take her class. She wanted to take my class. My students wanted mm. to take her class. Her students wanted to take my class. It's like, mm. how? Where was that? Dance for them. Oh, studio one and Studio Two. Mm-hmm. Friday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Who was doing dance hall? You. I'm not following. You were teaching, homie. Yeah, I was. I don't remember us being at the same time though. Yeah. Oh yes. That's, That's... why we bumped into each other. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That just that is just um mm, the picture yeah. <laughs> that society has on black people. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's, and black culture and just like there can only be one or there's just that space and mm-hmm. putting us like uh in comparison to each other and bold, uh, um bold putting us together in mm-hmm. one box. Yeah. yeah. So then mm. you come back to Sweden, you start teaching, but then you also, okay. So how did you really At the same get time into pursuing music? The, what's that? At the same time pursuing music. So like I said, I, I felt like I broke up with dancing in my mm-hmm. soul, but I was still teaching because I was the first, not the first, the second uh, I believe dance hall teacher in Gothenburg. Uh, so it was when I came, I was the first dance hall teacher at Twisted Feet's Dance Academy, and that was big because mm-hmm. I was alone. <laughs> and that's going to be my um, question: is how did you get into yeah. dance hall? Okay. Um, and now I at my. <laughs> I also want to say that my um, 
memory is quite bad. So Lena Miskowski might have been teaching, but I think she was in Jamaica when I came back because I didn't meet her until a few years later, but she's like the OG dance hall uh, teacher. Um, But anyway, I got into dance hall because of a boy. (laughs) A boy, you know, a fine boy. And uh, (laughs) but he was like from Belize. He was not from Jamaica, but, you know, still the same culture, dance hall, soca, everything, and patois. And uh, so we were in love, whatever, and that was in Los Angeles, my last year in Los Angeles. Mm. When we broke up, he had already introduced me to dance hall. Like he took, I remember he took me to this dance hall party like 2 a.m. in a basement somewhere in Los Angeles. And it was the first dance hall part I've ever been to. And it was holy about Jamaican, Belize people just whining the whole night until 7 a.m., um, it was, you know, so many women taking so much space with their bodies, with their attitude, with the characters, the colors, the, ah, I was just so in love. I was, <laughs> I was shocked and I was so in love instantly. And I felt like this is home directly. Yeah. I'm like, I need to be a part of this. So I just started like going on YouTube, like, what is this dance hall? I'm like, oh, okay. It's what I've been doing. I love Sean Paul. I've been loving him since way back. But this is like, it has grown into something like a established culture, I guess, like dance style. And so I started learning. Um, and then I came to Sweden and I was like, yeah, I'm a dance hall teacher. I told somebody, Sadion, uh, outside a club, <laughs> a Saturday night. And he was like, okay. So you need to come in and teach. And so I started teaching. That's how I started uh, uh-huh. dancing dance hall. At the same time, writing lyrics, writing my first dance hall lyrics in Patois and released it. And Patilo, producer, Patilo Production, um, saw it online. It was like, sister, come to the studio. Make me do something, you know. Uh, and... We started making music, and that's my uh, path into the music business too. Mm-hmm. As Miss Relly, yes, Miss Relly, Miss Relly. For for those that are curious, I definitely will be posting some uh, clips on the inst- on the gram of some of the musical performances that she's done over the years, so you can see what it is that she do. I won't put, hey. you know, one of my favorites is bubbly, but I know you don't like it. So I won't post ah. that one. I won't post <laughs> <No>. that one. <laughs> but. Uh, bubbly, bubbly between me and you. No, I mean, no, I should re-record that song. Cause it's so good. You should. Cause it was a banger. Was so bad. Yeah. I love that song. I don't know why. Thank it just, you. yeah, it, it's, it makes me, banger. it makes me get to Paguan. You know, wind it up. Same though. Listen, for real. Thank you. And then also what you did for the dance hall cultures, you created the first dance hall battle in Gothenburg that you had me Ooh, as a judge for. I did that? At Bilda. Ah, in yeah. uh, 
<laughs> I love the fact that I'm giving you your history. You're telling me what I did. I'm like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> you, you damn skipping. <laughs> wow, that's so crazy. It was it was you and Salem. Yeah. Against I forget who it was. It was two guys. It was two girls. It was you and Salem against two guys. Yeah. Yeah. And you had brought you had brought uh another guy from I think he was from Jamaica over as a judge. And yeah. it was interesting. I think it was you against Brian Medica. I think it was I you think and so Brian. Too. I have some a, an image of a picture of me. He was with Sebastian Cruz. Eh? Is that who it was? Uh, yeah. And it was me and Salem. Because it was because I specifically remember in this battle oh. that you and Brian were going hard. And Solomon and Sebastian were going hard as well, but there was just something about you and Brian, and we just kept getting uh, ties for the sets. And I was like, so this is what we're going to do. One round, last person, Aurelia, really, and Brian. All out. Like, back to back, that's it. And I was like, this is nothing against Solomon and Sebastian, but there is a fire that is being exuded here when you see these two go ahead. So this is a learning experience for people. Don't take this as a negative. This is a learning experience of how to break out of that Swedishness and level up to the next level to break through. And I remember talking to Solomon after uh, Solomon and I became friends after that. And then she leveled up from there where she became big and with uh, laces and everything. Like she was like, yo, mm-hmm. do you remember that battle? I was like, yeah. She's like, thank you. Because that was the day that I knew that I had to light my fire. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. really? She's like, yeah. And I remember you being so careful about what you were saying, but I just wanted you to tell me level up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right about that, sis. But it was dope because... It was the first one. We had a nice, we had a nice crowd. It was about a hundred people in this little yeah. old building. It was hot as hell because it was. What au- was it? It was August two thousand ten. It was in this. It was where? Bilda, that White House on Danska Vagen. In Ogrita. Yeah, it was like a like a castle kind. Yep. That's the one. I had a DJ from uh, Germany here too. He was the DJ. Yeah, that was a badass event. And I was lucky. Thank you for letting me be there because I had just gotten there. Nobody really knew who I like. My name was going around, but were you in the judge? Yep. Yeah, because. Wow. And Salem said that to you. That's amazing. Uh, uh, Maybe a year or two after when. Yeah, but like that. Yeah, it's a big day. Mm hmm. It's so funny that I arranged the first dance hall battle in Gothenburg and I won it. <laughs> <laughs> but because um, I did win, didn't I? You did. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I just remember that all by myself. <laughs> no, but but it wasn't. I mean, it was a start. It was I had I got back from uh, Los Angeles 2009. So that was just a year of like mm-hmm. training people. So there wasn't a lot of people like doing dancehall like that. But then look, if if you come to Sweden now, oh, excuse me, if you come to Sweden now, dance hall is everywhere. It's in the smallest <laughs> villages uh-uh. up north in the west and everywhere. What it happened? And yeah, it, it's not the same dance hall. 
not any not anything for like culturally people doing anything, but just dance hall from what I came from doing dance hall when I was younger to what dance hall mm. when you came back from Los Angeles to where dance hall is now are completely three it different dance developed. halls. Yeah, yeah. Like it's much more about the steps now than it is about the dancing. It's very step oriented. It has always been like that, I have to say. But um, because the steps were there, it was just like, okay, maybe it was a little bit more space to just do your do do what it do back in the days. And now, since there are so many steps, and I am not a, a professional because I said I broke up with dancing in 2010. <laughs> but what I <clears throat> peeped is that it's more like in the battles and stuff like yeah do steps that's what you do but the steps were always there even back then it was just like a more freedom to like mix it with your own vibe or whatever um and also that the steps were not as steppy (laughs) back then right it was not giving uh so much like i don't know but and that's a whole another discussion but the steps had a little more Yeah, I would just say space. Space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back from Los Angeles. We have taken classes and told a person that we now teach dance hall. We start teaching dance hall. Uh, we create. Make it team, make first- it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did it big. Um, Save my life, that expression. Yeah. And then along the same time you're going into the music, you start recording dance hall. When did we transition completely into the music? Because now your shows are a live experience. You have a full band with you. You have some dancers mm. with you, but it's a stage show. Like I've experienced it a number of times. I remember when you only had the brass <laughs> players with you at first, and then now it's mm. everything. Mm. Mm. How did I go from that to that? That's a good ass question. Um, <laughs> no, I think I, like I said, it's the thing. I'm getting bored, and I'm like, okay, mm. how can I make this? No, but not not even just bored. Just I like doing new things and challenging myself and okay uh what if we're a full band okay no what if we're a big band you know so always next step and how is that like um now when i've experienced the big band i can tell you not doing that again unless i have a whole institution behind my ass because (laughs) that is a whole leap of work uh yeah but it's so amazing. It I is. mean, it just it just widens uh, so many dimensions of of, of uh, soundscapes and rhythms and yeah, I love being in that space, playing in, in a big band. Shout out to Avenue. But um, that yeah. was the name of the band, Avenue. Yeah, Avenue. Mm. I've had different names for my bands. It started with the name, no, Alpha Crew. That was all female band. Then it became the Neighbors, and then Avenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. 
What's next in the music for you? Um, anything? Well, you know what? Let's ba- let mm-hmm. let me back that up because circle back to there. Yep, that's what- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So speaking of getting bored, yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, I I need something more. I need something else. It's not. It's not doing it. It's not doing the trick. No, I'm kidding. No, but it was. Um, sorry, ask the question. No, that was it. So, how do yeah. we get from music? So, you okay? I already know. You said you get bored easy. You need to tackle something different. But we went from dance dance hall to recording artist dance hall. But then also something with music before we go into theater is that you do something different mm-hmm. as well. You combine. Swedish folk sound with Caribbean Afro beats instrumentation. How? Sure. Where, where did where did that magic compilation come from? Hmm. I think it came from that same void of like uh, uh, that I spoke about um, having to travel to Ghana and consume the whole culture to like fill an identity void that I had inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the next step was to combine, um, cause the means I had was, uh, which in English would be the music, university, university, university for, uh, music and performing and music. arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was because I, I went there. So that was the means I had to like explore that. And I, the program I got my bachelor in is, is called, was called world music. Now it's called something contemporary traditions. But anyway, so, uh, it was just another step in like exploring my musical identity, uh, exploring my identity, mm-hmm. um, of the two cultures that are strong in my life, Swedish and, and Ghanaian, um, and see what happens, you know, when we mix it together. I've never heard it before in, in that way and the way I wanted to do it and the way I did it. Um, fun times that, and I did that for like a couple of years on and off, like different mm. singles. I would explore that and other singles. I would not, I was a very during the years of like 2012 and 2000, 15, 16, it was my, I did a, a album called Yilanitsu that, I mean, every song was different. Like it was not a, a red and red thread, like a, a red thread, a red thread. The only red thread was my voice. Cause I was really like all over the place just mm. being free in my musical expression. And then I started going to Ghana and was like, okay, Afrobeats, let's do mm-hmm. Is Afrobeats. That's who. That's who it is. That's who I am. I know now. Um, yeah. When you when you were in Ghana, did for those that don't know, there is a music specific to Ghanaian life from the '60s called High Life. Hey. Did that filter in a lot into your yeah. musical your musical artistic direction i i used high life a lot in school and in mm-hmm. the um, <clears throat> university for uh, performing arts and music 
I played a lot of high life. That was like my therapy. <laughs> like uh, playing all those songs that I grew up with and mom listening to um, and like interpreting them and understanding them, translating them. But I didn't perform with them until like actually last year for real, mm. for real. Mm. So it was like I did that and I put it on the side and maybe I would perform with them on like school um when you um read this thing uh oh god see now i'm stuck in swedish myself uh a uh-huh. showing like not a recital yeah. but a showing yeah uh and um but i wouldn't like that i wouldn't take it on as a part of my like okay this is a single i'm gonna i'm gonna create high life or like be mm-hmm. inspired enough to create it or use it or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I, I had to like pause. <laughs> uh, speaking of pausing, <laughs> I had to pause that because I had to go through my own journey mm-hmm. and process of like, so I just put that on hold until I was ready to like, Oh, this is, this is a part of me. This is a part of my heritage and I'm going to, claim it you know i i was i wasn't really claiming it in the beginning i was like okay that's that's them and that's a part of the ghanaian culture but i don't know tree well so i can't sing these songs or like mm-hmm. yeah but 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 a lot of people that's what i came to that i noticed that uh even when i was mixing like Afrobeats or dance hall with nordic folk music i noticed that a lot of people it appreciated it and thought it was special and 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 unique and i was like "Eh, yeah i guess maybe it is um but it was more like an experiment for me Mm -hmm. um yeah okay interessante so then uh when did you when did you get your degree in world music slash contemporary culture music thing that it's called now <laughs> i actually got it last year 2023 oh okay but because that was because i took eight year eight leap years or what you call it uh eight years of break yeah pause mm-hmm. so because i was going to say so around I started 2012 mm. so while we're, so now we're our music quote unquote career journey is on the up and up. We get to a certain point and we decide, I want to be an actress. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I think I decided like 2017 that I wanted to act. Mm-hmm. So I started writing my own script. Because I was like, nobody's going to hire me, obviously, because I'm not in that world and then I'm not schooled. So I was like, okay, I can create. I am creative. That's mm. my strength. Uh, so I started writing a script and I emailed it to like every theater um, in Sweden and the Riksteatern um, answered. And they're like, oh, we have a residency for people that are like beginners, uh, script writers. And I was like, yep, that's it. And that was a a music a musical theater kind of uh, called Alpha in the Making, and uh, that was very 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 good. 
because I got I got to work with a dramaturg and um, got to understand like the ground foundations of how you write a script, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, and when we did that showing for the people that works on uh, Riksdagen, there was someone there that saw me because uh, you know you're supposed to like read it and not supposed to act, and I was like given I was given extra extra <laughs> like acting <laughs> while I was reading it, and I think that's why. Uh, I got a audition call for Was it Albert? Hey, um, 2019. So that was two years after, and I was, I was, you know, I was in Ghana. I had just like bought my not bought an apartment, but like started. Uh, I had bought a rental agreement for two years because mm-hmm. uh, I had decided I'm 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 gonna be in Ghana, you know. Um, and then I got the call, just standing there and with the keys, like, "Hey, do you want to come to audition?" I'm like, "Yeah, I do." Wow. <laughs> um, so I came back to Sweden and I and I went on the audition and I got the the the, the job, obviously. Whoa! And I started renting my my place in in Ghana on Airbnb but this was 2019 August so remember 2020 something happened right and so six months later (laughs) yeah and nobody was renting my apartment in Ghana by that time so anyway that's a whole nother story but acting that's how I got to to that but also when the pandemic came there was no jobs because I thought okay after doing what's Albert I was like oh that's it. Let's go. <laughs> we we on the roll now because I was so great. It was such a great experience. Shout out to Josette Michelle Mingo for the opportunity. Um, and then nothing. But so, then also 2000... think about this. If you were in Ghana, what would have happened? You know, what would have happened? Yeah. I meant during yeah. like with, when Kovo came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hundred. Hundred percent. Everything happens for a reason. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Thank you, Jesus. Because then even though the acting gigs didn't happen for about a year or so, something else happened two years later where Josette called you. Yeah, she called me back. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. She called me back to uh, be a choreographer in a play called The Famished Road by Ben Okri, which is a book. And they uh, wrote it as a play, rewrote it, um, translated it, however you want to call it. Adapted. Adapted it at Dramaten, which you mentioned earlier. Uh yeah, and you were in the cast. And I was in the cast. Yes. <laughs> so we got the first time we got to work together. First time we get to work together in freaking 13 years. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's crazy. Ah, how was that for you? Tell it me. Was, it was special. Ah, oh, it sure was. It was special. There was as as we talked oh. as we touched on earlier, it was magical because it was one, it was an all mm. Afro-ethnic cast. Come on. 
from different backgrounds huh? of Afro Svenskness or Afro Swedishness that yeah. I was the only one from the US, but I've lived in Sweden long Kaliri. enough. What's that? Except for Kaliri, which she oh, was well, not in the cast. But I'm but I'm in terms of the performers. Yeah. Um history was made. We were the first <laughs> all black, all afro, whatever, uh ensemble at that theater <laughs> in the his in the almost two hundred year history of that theater. <laughs> um we had Ooh. we had in our ensemble the first black actress to work on that stage in the 70s. <sighs> I did not say so almost 50 years later, she's back. And it's just like, what is happening? We had a black director, we had a black lighting designer. We had a black audio technician. We had a black choreographer. It was just, and all of us just, we were there together. It was such, it was such a high tense moment throughout mm. that process for a number of reasons. And with all that mm. blackness, it was, a, it was somewhat of a resistance from the theater and, and multiple departments Cause they're like, well, this isn't how we normally do it. And we're like, yeah, we're not doing anything you normally do here. So never done this before. Yeah, with the program. Like th we mm -hmm. need this to happen in order for this to happen. And they just weren't really prepared for us to come in and do what we did. Mm -mm. And then they also didn't do near of the advertising that they were supposed to do for it. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of hype around it uh, mm -hmm. in the press, but, Community-wise, there wasn't. So mm. premiere sold out, yes. Mm. A couple shows sold out. But then after, mm. there was no follow-up. There's no promotion. So we started mm. telling everybody. And then we had every show after that was packed, filled, sold out. Mm. We had people coming three, four, five times, no exaggeration, uh, yeah. with the statement, I've never seen me on stage represented like this. I grew up with an Afro family and oh my God, I see my mom. I see my dad. I grew up in the Caribbean. Wow. This story, like I can see my family in this. Oh, wow. My children came to see it and they were like, oh, now you make more sense to me because they understand again, like you growing up between the two worlds. We had, uh, hmm. I think it was a orphanage or like a in between yeah. home for youth that wrote to us that they were like, they were blown away because they had never experienced theater before and they had never seen anybody like them mm. before. And it changed their mm. lives and they started doing more research about their families. It was just the impact yeah. that we had on yeah. everyone that almost didn't happen because there was such a resistance to what we were trying to do for the first time. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's not all on one side. There was a lot of uh, preparation uh, leaks in the faucet on both sides. You know, the script wasn't really done be right before we started, but that's like, there's so many variables in there. But in that process, it's like, can we come together and do this as much as we want this ensemble to come together and do this? 
And luckily the ensemble had you and I will I will not be egotistical and say me, but I was a support system. 100%. What's that? I said hundred oh. percent. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It was it was really funny because so much of the cast started asking me questions. I'm like, y'all know that I'm not, like I'm not on the creative team on this job. Like that's not me. I'm just ensemble. But it was I was glad to be there, and I'm glad we got to work together. It was super dope. I'm glad I could be there for you and make that magic happen it was it was all in all it was a great experience for me through through the uh, um you were such a support system to me there were so many obstacles that were on the on on the production period Mm -hmm. uh and it's just amazing that we were able to do the magic that we did although those circumstances because they could have really yeah, we handled it so well. Mm-hmm. We handled it the best we could. Um, it was magic. It I, when I think about it, you know that first scene and you're all standing there and the because I got to see the show, so yeah, you know, and you're and that and then you're walking, give it giving me the chills, not even giving me the chills, it's giving me some feeling of like greatness mm-hmm. um it was definitely history in the making it was history in the making yeah. they had never so that was the start of something new um and i'm seeing that seeing it at them often too like they're continuing yep uh with like taking in black bodies and understand the competence and the value of it of our stories so you know there's um, always got to be one who's the first that goes through the adversity of it all to make it, to make the road easier, for the others. so to speak, for those. Lord, I hope it's easier for them in the name <laughs> of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but you know, part of the magic yeah. of it as well is like, so you, the chill, the quote unquote chills that you got is also because you know the, the 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 turmoil, <laughs> the tribulations that we went to to get there. But for the audience, they had no clue. No idea. It was that production was so smooth when we when we were running it. It was like we we were breathing air. And that's thanks to the creative team. That was all of y'all making that just snap it together. It was dope. Would I do it again? Yes. The support of some people from the cast. Yeah. (laughs) But then from there. The acting continued after that because then you went in and starred in a show at Stotts Theater. Oh, I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I told you my, my memory is bad. <laughs> it's from all the trauma. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did do yeah, that, I did. The I? same year. 2022 yeah. was a, it was a theater year. Yeah. It was a performance arts year. It was hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after that, I was at Stadstheatern uh, in Husby doing a play by Debbie Tucker Green, shout out, um, Afro-British playwriter um, called Random. Mm-hmm. And I played 
It was a monologue, so I played four different characters. Hey. And I talk about depth of acting. Um, directed. Yeah. Did you see that? I didn't. You didn't. But you saw it with Albert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, when I went from, you know, the Martin and that whole dramatic production <laughs> yeah. to a very, very safe and perfect, just calm production. Um, but it was hard work. Definitely. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah. I didn't see it because I was doing cabaret at Gothenburg opera. Yeah. That's why and I didn't get to see cabaret. Cause my right. back was acting up. I remember I had ticks and everything. Yeah. But then after random, you now have written a piece. Speaking of where I started with this whole acting thing, um, writing to create, you know, more adversity and like making sure our black stories and bodies are seen. You got to create your own jobs sometimes, your own mm-hmm. opportunities. So yeah, I just felt like, um, and that actually started 2020. So I had already started that whole, um, yeah, it's called voice. The play is called voice. I had already started voice 2020 black lives matter, the whole thing with George Floyd. And I was like, okay. And just asked me, what do you want to say with your voice? And I said, well, I'm taking that and <laughs> I'm writing a script. And it just took a few years, you know, because never done it before mm-hmm. having to find a way forward other things coming in between like the new metal wagon mm-hmm. random working but yeah now we're finalizing um my first play that i am going also to act in um and it has a premiere this year 2024 october 4th at angeret's theater oh what stockholm yeah Let's go, let's go. Cause Hi. I got this because I cause I cause I was invited to sit in the reading of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I this is news this this is world premiere news, y'all. It's premiering in October 2024, October 4th, Angrid's Theater. And then you said it's gonna go to Stockholm? Good to use the yeah. Um let's go. Yeah. Okay then. I'm putting it in my calendar right now. Please. <laughs> so that would lead me into what I would normally say now is what next, but there we have it. <laughs> there we have it, baby boy. Any music coming up? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. Um, it's actually a secret. So I can't say that, but okay. I'm doing some music. Okay, and it's going to be a little different. Cool. Yeah. Right. Let's go. Let's go. So. As you see people, you never really walk away from your creativity. Not if you roll like me. (laughs) It's Uh, just going to be something. uh, Yeah, just developing, exploring something new. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Before we go, Mm. there's a little... A, di- a little segment that I like to do. Okay. So, I went and bought a roulette table. <laughs> okay. 
that's filled with 16 shot glasses that are numbered. Each shot glass is um, filled with 16 shot glasses that are numbered. Each number represents a question. We spin the roulette Ooh. table. I ask the question, you answer. It's nothing too personal yeah. or shady or uh, intimate or anything like that. It's just fun questions. I like that. Shall we do it? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Round and round and round the wheel goes. Round, round. No. Number 24. On the house, whatever you want people to know. That there is complete love in God. You yes. don't have to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are safe. Uh, and if you seek him, you'll have everything that you need. All right, all right. When did you when did you open your heart to him or find him? I actually was saved uh two thousand nine. Uh, but, uh, I didn't understand what that meant. So I started a kind of like distant relationship with God. I thought I had a good relationship, but then I would say I, it's always like, a, it's always been like unre- uh, revealing, like you unravel by, as you go with the relationship. But mm-hmm. I would say, uh, these past like three weeks has really been very strong to me. Um, I was actually thinking about it going into this podcast. I was like, this is the first time I feel like a newborn baby that I'm like doing something out of this world, you know, that it's not a part of like, uh, serving him. And I was like, Ooh, I wonder how that's going to feel. But yeah, so, so quite recently I would say I was saved again. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And how and how does that relationship how how does that relationship feel now? It feels safe and it's filled with joy. Good. Yeah. Good. I I become thankful and happy knowing I have a father. All right. Spread that love. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the mission. To Give spread love, that spread love. love, receive love. Yeah. All That's right, the whole right. point. Yeah. Nice. If listeners want to find out more or follow the uh, voice project that's coming up, uh, premiere in October, or find out what this developing music project is, where can they find you? Instagram or website or anything like that? Aurelia Day Official on Instagram. Mm-hmm. AureliaDay.com. Not really like posting so much on my website, but I have a website. Okay. Instagram is is my my number one communication tool. Okay. You'll okay. find everything on there. Um, same on Facebook. I really right, a day right. on Spotify. And that's D E Y, not D A Y. D E Y, not the day and night, not D A Y. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so many people making that mistake. It's an honest mistake, though. Yeah. But it's day, and it's actually my mom's maiden name. Ah, uh, nice. A U R E L I A D E Y official at Instagram or Aurelia Day, as I just spelt it, dot com or Aurelia Day on Facebook. 
Thank you. You're so welcome. And if you're not doing already, make sure you follow at Gamble's Green Room on Instagram to stay up to date of all of my guests, some behind the scenes footage of what they're doing and some guest video uh, specialties as well. And thank you, sis, for being thank here. You, oh, that Thanks was for fun. having me. It was an uh, honor and it was a nice conversation. See, it's thank you so much. No, thank God you. God bless you. God bless yeah. you. All the love. All the love. I'll see you soon. Okay, see ya.